Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mercer's Energizing the Employee Experience podcast. Here at Mercer, we're the global consulting leader across talent, health, retirement, investments, and of course, employee benefits. For more details, please visit us at uk.mercer.com. In this new podcast series, we're going to be exploring the future of work, the latest trends, and of course, all the big topics in HR. I'm your host, Jack Curzon, Consultant Director here at Mercer, and each week I'm going to be joined by colleagues of, of mine from Mercer and wider um, who are going to share all their ideas, their experience, and their insights. Today's episode is all about culture, and I'm delighted to be joined by my colleagues, Nick McClelland and Christina Dove. So if we could start with some introductions, uh, over to you, Christina, to tell us a little bit about who you are uh, and where you've come from. Hey Jack, thanks very much. I'm delighted to be on the first episode. It's great, especially with Nick as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm Christina. Um, joined Mercer straight from university actually, uh, coming up to 33 years. Um, done quite a lot of varied roles within Mercer, lots of operations type roles, um, people leader, creating transformation programs, um, development programs, more recently, focusing more on client development and growth, and also led our um, culture project um, we, when we integrated with um, JLT a couple of years back and Thompson's and Jelf. We looked at the whole uh, culture, what the prior cultures were, and what we wanted the culture of our future organization to be. Uh, and then taking the learnings from all of that, now working with clients on uh, developing their cultures and transforming businesses, particularly uh, relevant in the you know pandemic that we've just been through and all the changes that are, that are, that are going on. Um, and just very recently started working on ESG as well, so environment, social and governance and how that uh, builds in with culture as well. So uh, delighted to be here. Brilliant. Thank you. Nick, I obviously know you from, from years gone by, but it'd be great to get your formal introduction. Thanks, Jack. I'm glad I'm going second after that very, very powerful introduction from Christina, um, a culture expert, no doubt. Uh, yeah, Nick McClelland, I'm a um, partner and growth leader in Mercer Marsh Benefits, which is our business very focused around health so um, and employee benefits. And so I tend to look at things like culture through that lens and how we can engage people, particularly through what organizations um offer to their employees, how they support them and that value proposition uh, right the way from things like well-being, which I'm very passionate about, um, all the way through to uh, the modern benefits programs. And yeah, as background, I, I've been in the employee benefit industry for about 16 years, um, so not as long as Christina, um, but I have uh, been in Mercer now for the last two years and yeah, really enjoying uh, the 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 huge projects we've been undergoing that Christina talked about there in terms of integrating different businesses. So we've been through our own journey on that front, of course, but also helping clients now with that journey as well. So yeah, pleasure to be here as well for the first episode. Thank you. Brilliant. So now all the formalities are out of the way, we can jump straight into it. And, and obviously culture is a huge word. It's something that's banded around a lot. Some Sometimes it's overused or misunderstood. So the first thing I want to get into really is what is culture or what does it mean to you or how, how do we talk about it effectively? Yeah, it's a great question, Jack. And as you say, people talk a lot about culture and I think 
people can often mean quite different things around it. So, you know, it can be as simple as, um, you know, as, as Nick said, it can be a well-being culture or it can be a um, DE&I culture, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion, or it could be flexible working culture. Um, for me, and um, this is a very simplistic thing, but I like simple models. It's how we do things around here. And for me, when we talk about culture, it's very much organizational culture and your business culture. And it's how you turn up every single day to work, how you do your work, how you deliver to clients, how you interact with each other, uh, how innovative you are, how, how risk-taking you are, uh, whether your organization trusts you, empowers you. It's all of those things. Um, and I think it's really important to actually define what 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 not not only what your culture is what you want your culture to be create that target picture and then that actually provides a a north star or a compass for everybody to galvanize around that culture and if you create the culture it actually um it, it can it can it can direct every single thing that you do um and People might not like, like like this word, but it can act as a checklist or an audit. You know, are are, are we taking risks? Are we trusting our people? Are we caring about each other? Um, are we working together as a team? You know, all of those things. So, so for me, it's very much around the business and the organisation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Obviously, it's very hard to define, but once you get it right, it literally impacts everything, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. And it and it really, uh, you know, it has to be throughout the whole of the organisation, but it absolutely has to be led by the leaders and the leaders have to walk and talk the culture and, uh, you know, communicate within that, be, be authentic leaders of that culture. Obviously, it has to be built from top down and bottom up and everybody has to be involved in that, in building that culture, but leaders absolutely have to be behind it. Yeah, what uh, what is culture to you, Nick? To be honest, I mean, Christina nailed it, and I think I'm really glad she said um, the how we do things around here because I think that is probably the best definition, and certainly one of the more widely accepted definitions. I tend to add to it just the the why piece as well, which again I think leads towards the North Star comment that Christina made because the why we do what we do I think plays a big role in getting to the how. And um, uh, you know how we act and so on that Christina talked about. I think organisations today are getting much more comfortable with being purpose-led and, and understanding the importance of having that clear purpose, not only established within the business but also clearly communicated. And I think if you're lacking the why, if you're lacking that kind of purpose, it's difficult for people to galvanise around the how within the environment. People have to feel purposeful in what they do every day. So. I guess we talk about how, why, how, and what. From a culture perspective, the how we do things and the why we do it, I think, are really important. And and that, for me, is is kind of what makes me think, from a leadership perspective in the business, if we're not re-emphasizing that at any given point and providing that north star, as, as Christina so eloquently put, then it's really hard for people to feel like they're part of something. And that's ultimately what I think culture can do for for an organization. Yeah, I yeah. think it is. And it is about, you know, knowing everybody knowing how they fit into that purpose of the organization. So, you know, no matter where you are within the team, you know, whether you're an administrator, uh, you know, on the front line, a consultant, you're in sales, every single person is contributing to what you're trying to do as, a, as an organization. Um, I, yeah, you're absolutely right, Nick. 
uh, I, yeah, I think it's huge, isn't it? If if yeah. everyone's kind of moving in the same direction, it makes it a lot easier. But if people don't know what that direction is or why we're moving there, it makes it even harder. So from you know, as a leader myself, it's so difficult to bottle that kind of concept of culture. But if you can talk about it properly and simply then that's half the battle for me personally. I, I think you're right. And that's why one of the key things that, that we do is create this culture target picture. So people can actually see what it is that they're, you know, they're aiming for and they can really galvanise around that. And if it's built by by everybody, then everybody is bought into it as well. I think that's a key point, Christina, because I think, I think some organisations make the mistake whenever they're embarking on a cultural journey by almost deciding what that is and then going straight to implementation mode. And in the organizations I've worked in or worked with that have got this right, it's a collaborative exercise with employees to define what that looks like. There might be a direction of travel and an ambition, but unless you actually have the employees of any business co-create that journey, it I think that's when culture missions kind of fail because it doesn't feel like it's been created organically and naturally within the business it feels like it's been forced mm. and there's obviously good times to to try and achieve that you know an acquisition as you described earlier for ourselves was a big galvanizer for us to focus on it but if we weren't actively part of the conversation as employees we didn't necessarily feel as aligned to it and i think those are those are areas that the companies can really make sure they get ahead of the game and ensure they evolve their people in in the conversation from the start otherwise yeah a failed mission is, is likely to happen. Yeah, and I think there's there's just two things to add there. So I think organisations have to be brave. Leaders have to be brave to actually ask this question. You know, what is our culture? What do we want our culture to be? Um, and then by including everybody, they actually get excited when you go on the journey because they've actually built it themselves. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think what the comment that you just made there, Nick, as well, has already got my my mind thinking. I didn't want to to drop the c word uh, this early in a in a Uh-oh. podcast, but obviously, you know, COVID has affected everything dramatically, right? And it the the, the world of work has been potentially changed forever. And whilst we know we won't necessarily go back to how we used to work hopefully we won't stay in this state that we have been through 2020, 2021 of working in this way either. But how has that changing world impacted culture, you know, as a concept? Yeah, there's probably a couple of things um, that would immediately jump to my mind. Um, you know, the, the obvious being that we've, we've had to adapt very, very quickly um, beginning of last year to a very different working environment as we're all sitting there still staring at each other on the screen um, rather than being in, a, in an office having uh, fancy recording equipment. We're using our laptops and so on. So it's obvious to say, but, but and everybody, there's been a lot said about it, but I don't think we can still underestimate the impact that's still having on cultures within business. And until such time as we understand the direction of travel for, for each and every one of our clients and our, our own business, um, we can't underestimate just how big this impact is going to be. And I don't think we've really seen the, the true impact until we work our way back to some sort of hybrid, as an example. Um, I think the second part is, is about communication um, and change. There has been so much change, which is happening even more rapidly 
And I think what we're seeing now is these kind of agents of change that have been hovering around clients and around businesses for um, for the last uh, last couple of years. And, and some organizations, in terms of the adoption curve of that change and adapting to that change further along than others, everybody's now having to face that change at speed. And when you when you face change at speed, one of the hardest things to do is to keep up with communication and, and bringing the employees on that journey. And I think that's the part that, that many businesses are maybe struggling with right now is that actually there's so much being thrown at our people today that, that keeping people informed enough of, of that change and, and how that impacts the business and how that impacts the culture of the business, both immediately and in the future, that's a hard task to do. And, and I think we can't underestimate again just how much we have to focus on engagement to keep our cultures or, or to shape our cultures in the future. Um, that's those are the areas that I think have, have really been heightened by by the C word, as you rightly said. Yeah, I think so. And it, you know, that communication it it has to take on so many different guises as well, doesn't it? So there's the you know there's the there's the leadership communication and the almost you know the reassuring people definitely in the early days about what was going to happen and then there's the there's the community com- um, um, uh, communication as well around you know how you communicate socially via you know via apps via external apps via internal apps um, and then there's obviously the you know there's, there's the team communication on zoom and then the one-to-one communication as well and they're looking for those signs of when people actually you know need your help reaching out and there's so many different channels for that isn't there I know in our own organization you know we've we've had things where maybe somebody's put on our internal app um, just something about um, you know really struggling today it might not even be that explicit but somebody will pick up on it and before you know it somebody's IM that person and so on you're okay today you know and actually it's just these little subtle messages I think and that's how culture's changing and uh, you know people are you know caring more about each other I think and really working together as, as a team um, and then obviously you know when people are working more at home it's like how how do you then generate that that culture of innovative ideas and things like that and I think that's what we've got to you know be more wary of and helping people with and uh, making sure that's still happening you know yeah I, I was going to just, just a couple of things you said there because I mean, think um, that the relationship between between the employee and the company is changing um, quite rapidly now as well. And I think there's a couple of dynamics at play. The, the working environment being probably the principal one that's sort of staring us in the face every day at the moment, that actually this idea of flexible working, agile working um, in itself is such a major topic and, and changing the way we think about how we structure our offices and how we have location strategy pinned down on how we hire, because of course talent can come from anywhere nowadays. And so that alone, as one topic, sort of throws out all these different threads where, where we have to think about what the impact is to the employee as a result and therefore the impact to the culture. But, but even just what's happening around us socially as well. I mean, the pandemic, um, to use the P word this time, has, uh, has thrown up um, issues that, again, may have been on a slower burn, but have been accelerated because of you know, heightened tension around the world, whether we're looking at things like Black Lives Matter, whether it's the Me Too movement. Um, we've got, again, acceleration happening in all of these discourses as well. And so if you as an organization are not on top of the social conscience that's changing for, for everybody, our people, our leaders, um, et cetera, 
then again, if businesses are slow to adapt to that, it's impossible to kind of to keep up and keep the culture maintained in the right context for the market that you operate in, for the country you operate in, and so on. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And you both just mentioned some huge, really big strategic uh, words, I think. Um, Nick, in your first bit, you spoke about engagement, which is obviously vital in any company. Christina, you spoke a little bit about the concept of a community, which you know I really want to get into. And Nick, you've also just spoken about social context there, which you know I think all words, all of those words, naturally harmonise with with culture, but aren't discussed enough. I don't think. Um, thinking about those three things, you may have answered my next question, but I want to go into more detail. And that is, how do you actually keep people connected in this new world that we're working in? Virtually, surely, a, a video call isn't enough, right? Um, I, I certainly don't think so. I think, uh, and again, because we're, uh, I mean, look, I, you know, first up to say it, I am zoomed out, right? Um, as much as I love seeing your face in this little square box, guys, it's it's the same on repeat every day. And the lack of variety with that now, I think, is affecting people. And the way I've been sort of thinking about this in particular and sort of engaging through change, I guess, as a, as a broad kind of topic header is, you know, we want to talk about how to connect to people in this virtual world. And you, you need to do that in the work context, but also the human context as well. And I've sort of been bucketing into a couple of different areas. One is collaboration. Um, we've got, there's amazing tools out there, amazing, um, you know, and we're, we're using one right now with, with the ability to connect ourselves through a meeting like this, but amazing tools that help collaboration. And, and organizations really need to think about that now because, again, that ability to just get into a meeting room and whiteboard and, you know, throw stuff up onto a flip chart or whatever it might be, that that is lacking at the moment. And so we have to get a little bit more creative on how we we work collaboratively as teams. And I think we've done that really well, but, but again, we've got to adapt to that in the future. And that sort of extension of that point is creativity. I do feel like that is something that is being stimmied by this environment. Um, and, and again, organizations have to work harder at how to simulate creativity at this point um, during this virtual world, because those little ad hoc conversations that happen around a desk, potentially those little conversations that might happen on a walking phone call rather than on a Zoom meeting or a formal diarize meeting, those aren't happening maybe as frequently as they would. And so in a way to help the culture of the organization, to help that creativity that, that drives culture, we have to get more creative about creativity in that context. And then the last thing, you know, again, Christina nailed it with the word, which is community. But, you know, I'd go, go a little bit on from that and just think about the social importance of connections at work and, and just how important those friendships and relationships that people create within their working environment are to, to people. Um, often for some individuals, that's the place where they get kinship, friendship, and we know how much that's affected people's mental health over the last year. So again, there are so many different ways, tools, et cetera, out there, but defining a strategy around that, I think is a really important piece of the puzzle for any organization. And it's just left to, you know, an IT conversation about what's cheapest to roll out or, you know, the, the most used technologies and so on. I think we're missing a trick. There are some amazing ways that we can connect, collaborate, and create, connect, um, create creativity. But, but thought needs to go into it by organizations to keep that culture alive. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about creativity because, um, you know, personally, I get 
all my best ideas when I'm either cycling or running or walking or whatever. And sometimes, you know, I'm like, well, that's amazing. And and come back and think, right, I must write it down. And I must tell so-and-so. And you think, oh, oh, they might be in a meeting or, you know, they might be doing something else. And actually that just getting in touch with somebody and telling somebody, if you've been in the office environment, you would have literally come back and, you know, told everybody about it, wouldn't you? So I think that that's that's a bit of a, a, a difficult one. And then um, we talked about, you know, creating these little communities. And certainly one thing that I think has worked well at Mercer is the BRG, so the business resource group. So, you know, we've created different ones around working parents, around people that are caring for elderly people. Um, but also, I could talk about this for hours, but the community things, again, around that, um, you know, that client space and how we're helping clients. Again, I do think our sort of our internal app and our communications, people are just putting stuff on there. They're putting little questions on there. Has anybody got this or has anybody, um, you know, spoken to a client about this or what about this? And I think that's really generated some great conversations. But just the other thing that I found really useful and I hope helpful for other people um, is personal mentoring. I think that that has really grown during COVID um, or, you know, working from home or whatever, because I think people just, they 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 want people to reach out to. Um, and, you know, I've been approached by quite a few people and now I've never had so many mentees, but just those really useful conversations. And they're not always work related. They're sometimes experience related or personal related. But I think the more that you can, you know, partner people up on a one-to-one basis is, um, you know, create that culture of trusting um, and understanding and empathy. Um, I, you know, I think that's a great, a great thing to do as well. Absolutely. I think you've also just kind of had a nod there towards how wide culture can impact. So, of course, it impacts diversity and inclusion. You know, there's different elements of groups of people, but also it massively impacts a company's approach to to big ticket things like the environment, uh, you know, or, you know, previously CSR, corporate social responsibility, nowadays more ESG, environmental, social, corporate governance, etc. Before the pandemic, it was, you know, a top thing that people were talking about. But I don't know they were doing much about it. Green initiatives have become more popular. Uh, how, does, how does that rising up the agenda impact culture in a, in a company? Oh, I, I, I think it absolutely does. And, um, you know, we're talking more in Mercer about sustainability and sustainability at the core and at the core of your people. Um, and um, as you say, Jack, more and more people are thinking about the environment. Nick talked about, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and me too. And they want to work for companies that have this social conscience. Um, so, you know, how how do companies demonstrate that they are doing the right thing with, you know, with regards to uh, carbon emissions, you know, green technology, that sort of thing? And not only what are they doing themselves, but what are they ensuring that their suppliers doing all the way down down the chain as well? You know, are they is everybody being paid a fair wage? Is everybody getting um, you know the appropriate benefits? Um, and one thing that we're um, that, that we're looking at with clients is how are you rewarding your senior people with regards to um, ESG goals? So are there short term incentives linked? to being environment, environmentally friendly? Are they linked to treating their, um, their, their teams correctly? And are, so short-term incentives and long-term incentives, are they creating sustainable careers 
you know, within within the organisation and how are we rewarding those leaders within that? So it is a huge topic. And, um, you know, my own daughter's just gone into the world of work and, um, you know, she was looking at what what different companies were offering. You know, she she had a choice and she was using that that as one of her markers as to who she would go and work for. Um, and I'm absolutely sure she's not alone. You know, young people really want to work with companies that have this social conscience. I think you absolutely nailed it, Christina, with that. And it's not just, you mentioned about your daughter going into the world of work. My nine-year-old daughter is socially aware, socially socially conscious. She's, you know, she's learning about this at school. And this is the employee in 10 to 12 years time coming into the workforce. And and we as organizations have to start recognizing that the, the emergence of new generations, and I, I deliberately pluralize that because there will be several new generations coming into the workforce at rapid pace again over the next few years, that we're talking about employee awareness again, and the demands um, from employees to work for organizations that are socially conscious, that are socially aware, are are only going to increase um, from what I can see. And I think if anybody with young children now at school learning about these topics, that's going to translate into how they learn through their later school life into university and therefore into the workplace as well if if they even go to university because of course that's all changing for many people as well and i think if you balance that up with another topic you talked about there which is um leadership accountability happening um within any organization that that is that is a balance to strike you've got a heightened employee awareness almost demand from employees for their organizations they work for to, to operate the right way, to do the right thing, and, and that that comes to the fore in the culture. But leaders have to be able to be um, accountable for that. They have to be transparent. They have to lead with empathy, I think, uh, in these changing times. And, and that is a big shift for many leadership or uh, the leadership of many organizations today to, to lean towards. And you've got to be really careful because you can sense this happening a bit. Um, and I think there's been some well-documented cases of it, but you can pay quite easy lip service to sustainability, to ESG topics in, in, in general, but not actually make real tangible change. And we're past the point now where employees will just ignore that. They will they'll walk, they will use their feet, and they will look for organizations that don't just talk the talk, but they walk the walk as well. And, um, and I think leadership's understanding of that has to shift, that it can't just be uh, nice snippets in, in, um, in company uh, policy documents or, or good PR statements out there in the market. It's got to have action that follows up. Otherwise, people can read through that. Yeah, I, I think I totally agree. It's, it's difficult. And it, it leads me on to my last question, which is quite a big one. And I appreciate it. We might not have time to cover it the way we want to, right? But when you when you talk about being transparent, and we we spoke earlier about leaders leaders taking control of the messaging and making sure it's clear and people can jump on board with it. How should companies talk to their people about culture? Well, I, I will let Christina, the expert who's done these type of projects, talk in a moment. But but for me, I think um, there's a couple of things that that I've seen work well. I think where you can weave it into the fabric of the organization and not just have it as words on a, on a wall within an office, especially now given what we've talked about with, with virtual ways of working and hybrid ways of working in the future, it, it's got to be woven into the fabric. It's got to be the way we talk um, 
in the same way we talked earlier about the, how we do things around here. So, you know, when we're taking our people on the journey, and particularly if we're talking to leaders of organizations today, you almost have to, to think um, all the way through that engagement strategy and all the way through how leaders are going to be trained to think this way in the way that they correspond and, and have conversations with their people, particularly if accountability has been factored in. So even if we factor in things like Christina was talking about, about performance there, um, it, it has to be part of the, the, the DNA, the fabric, if you like. It has to be recognized. I think recognition, often we talk about in this kind of very financially led way. So people being recognized financially for performance, being recognized um, uh, financially for progression within the organization. But recognition can be more than that. It can be about how you acknowledge people, how they get recognized in lights, if you like. Um, it can be how they get um, given public kudos by, uh, by leaders, as an example. And I think when you're weaving together those cultural foundations with recognition, some really powerful things can happen um, as well. And, and then, you know, it, it comes back to, um, I think, being open and transparent, but also vulnerable as leaders as well. I think gone are the days where people expect their leaders to be brash and bold all the time and, and fearless and without fault and without, um, uh, you know, without failures in their lives, that's not the case. You know, everybody is, um, has got their weaknesses. Everybody has got their areas of concern. And I think leaders now need to shift that kind of language as well. Otherwise, how can we expect our people to grow up within a business and recognize what, what good looks like, what good behavior looks like, what good cultural alignment looks like? That vulnerability piece, I think, is really important as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, you've, you've said loads of great stuff there, there, Nick. I think, you know, authentic leadership, I know it's a bit of a buzzword now, but it, it is absolutely right. So one of the simple things we we, we we did during, you know, the pandemic and still are doing is these, is these walk and talk meetings, you know, get get outside, don't be on Zoom the whole time, get on your phone. Um, and actually, you know, once a leader does that, people go, oh, that's okay to do then, you know, so don't, don't tell people to do these things if you're not prepared to do it yourself. We had other leaders um, just telling us that, you know, they were switching off at, you know, whatever time on a, on, on a Friday and they were actually going to, you know, really going to go away and enjoy the weekend. We've had others saying, actually, you know, I'm going for a run in the morning so it's actually just you know it's being transparent it's being authentic um i would just add this thing about psychological safety as well so people being able to be themselves at work um so that they you know they do feel in a safe environment um and if we are asking people to um you know act in a certain way so for example if we're asking them to be risk takers then provide the environment to enable them to take risks and if they do take a risk and it goes right, absolutely praise them for it. They went out of their comfort zone. If they take a risk and it goes wrong, then actually support them in that. Actually, you did well there. We're asking you to take a risk. It went, it went wrong. What did you learn? Let's move on. So just a couple of examples, I think, of how leaders can uh, you know, be very transparent and very authentic as we move forward. Amazing. Um, I knew getting both of you on an episode would result in the time going by at supersonic speed. And it has done. Um, I know we could talk for a lot longer about this, but um, I think that's all we've got time for for today. Obviously, thanks both so much, Christina and Nick, for the insight. It's been amazing. 
I know that our listeners might have some more questions and I will put you both on the spot and I presume you'll both agree that if anyone's got any questions they can reach out to you directly as well um, through you know channels like LinkedIn and, and things like that but um, thanks again so much for the insight it's been brilliant um, I hope the listeners have enjoyed the episode um, please subscribe catch up with with our latest thought leadership and content and if anyone does any questions then you know you can reach us at mercer.uk at mercer.com on email so thank you very much mm-hmm.